0: And we're just going to pray and dive right in. Father, thank you for the chance to get together this evening. It's a blessing we can pray. I was thinking this afternoon about uh, how many Christians uh, wouldn't even think about going to a midweek service. How many churches have stopped having them. And yet, uh, for the mature Christian, for the one who's close to you, it is such a blessing to be able to come and get around your people and get that spiritual shot in the arm during the week and uh, learn more about you, how to get closer to you. So I pray that your work would be done with us. And pray for those who are out of town as well. Bless them. Those that are watching online, bless them. Pray that you would uh, do your work in us now in the time we've set aside to study your word. In Jesus' name, amen. And so tonight we're in the second week of our new prayer series. I want to... Give you a little Bible study on this subject. Why is it so difficult to pray? Think about that. Why is it so difficult uh, to pray? Now, we know we should pray. We sense the Holy Spirit drawing us to pray, but yet it's difficult. Uh, We learned recently that prayer is a duty. Something we should do, whether we feel like it or not. We've learned that prayer is a privilege. I mean, we get to talk to God. We learn that God answers prayer. It's not just uh, uh, an act of foolishness. I mean, God answers prayer. And if He's not answering your prayers, then we can help you with that. And maybe He's not going to give you a million dollars, but, man, he, he should be answering your prayers regularly. And We should see regular answers to prayer. might be little things. might just be a parking spot you find at the store. It might be a sale on an item you need that you prayed about. It might be, uh, it could be any a variation of countless things, uh, but we ought to see those regular answers to prayer, uh, for sure. So we know God answers prayer, and then we we also learned last week that prayer is simple. I mean, what is prayer? Prayer is talking to God. I'm talking to you right now. You talk to people when you got to church. You talk to people at work today. You talk to your family. You talk to the, the person at the gas station or the, the person bagging your groceries. I mean, we talk to people all the time, but for some reason, we have a hard time talking to God. Why is that? And so before we get much further into our prayer life, we needed to learn what is prayer. And tonight we're going to learn why is it so difficult to pray. And after we understand ourselves and why it's hard to pray, it's easy for easier for us to figure out how to do it uh, and accomplish prayer than constantly feeling like, oh, I should have prayed and I should have done this, but we keep stumbling. And so I want to just give you three simple thoughts tonight uh, that are very easy, but you'll see, I think from your own experience, how these things trip us up. And I'm going to give you a few strategies tonight to help with this. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. In verse uh, 23, the Bible says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so this is a, a powerful verse where the apostle here praying that they would be sanctified wholly, and then he mentions the three parts of the human, the spirit, the soul, and the body. So we know man is a trinity just like God is a trinity. You have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Here in this verse we learn that man is a trinity with a spirit, soul, and body. All right, prayer involves your body, your soul, and your spirit. So when we're struggling with prayer, it usually has to do with one of those things. And we're going to look at some of these things. So Prayer involves body, soul, and spirit. We have to be able to sit still to pray. We have to be able to calm our mind and our heart to pray. We have to stop doing other things to pray. And then we have to pray in the spirit. And then next I just want to remind us that prayer, although it involves these three parts of of the, the mankind of mankind, prayer is overwhelmingly spiritual. Prayer is one of the most spiritual things you can do every day of your life. I look at Ephesians chapter 6. So although prayer involves body, soul, and spirit, it's overwhelmingly spiritual. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18 says, Praying always, with all prayer and supplication, in the Spirit watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplications for the saints. So we should be praying in the Spirit. When we pray, we're not only talking to the Father, but we're talking to Him in the Spirit. And doctrinally speaking, if you want to talk about strict doctrine, we pray to the Father, through the Son, in the Spirit. That's a conversation for another time. We can talk to the Father, we can talk to the Son, We can talk to the Spirit. But if you want to look at a diagram to see how all this works, we talk to the Father through the Son in the Spirit. So prayer involves our spirit, little s spirit, and prayer involves the Holy Spirit, big S spirit, uh, the, the Spirit of God. Prayer is overwhelmingly spiritual. matter of fact, I'll just read these to you. Romans 8, 26 and 27 says, Likewise, the Spirit, capital S, the Holy Spirit, Likewise the spirit also helpeth our infirmities for we know not what we should pray for as we ought but the spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered verse 27 and he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is knoweth what is the mind of the spirit capital s because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of god so in order for true prayer to take place My spirit that's been resurrected through salvation, being born again, we were dead in trespasses and sins, now we have new life through him. My resurrected spirit that communicates with God is speaking to God with the spirit, in the spirit and with the spirit. The Holy Spirit is our prayer partner, and we'll talk about that at length on another night. And so prayer is overwhelmingly spiritual, this means that prayer focuses on the inner man. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. That new part of you that's saved. We know that when you get saved, you have the, the old man and the new man. The old man is that part of you that the sin nature. The new man is that uh, part of you that's saved and born again. The Bible talks about the war, the battle between the flesh, our sin nature, and the spirit. And so once we get saved, we have two natures vying for control. Am I going to live the old way like I used to live in the flesh, or am I going to live according to what is now my spiritual birthright in the spirit and enjoying all the benefits of salvation that we've been given in Christ? And so who decides that? Well, you decide. And I decide. We're the umpire. We decide who wins. Does the flesh win or does the spirit win? You decide with your will and your mind and your volition. You decide who wins today. This morning when you woke up, you decided whether you were going to be a spiritual person or you were going to be a fleshly person. All day long when you were uh, confronted with different decisions that needed to be made, am I going to handle this in a spiritual fashion or am I going to handle this in a carnal fashion? We decide. Now, uh, depending on how strong and how much you've fed and exercised those different parts of you, for some people, the flesh is very strong in their lives because that's what they constantly do. They they usually make decisions and live in the flesh or according to the flesh, so their flesh is very strong and their spirit uh, is kind of weak in their lives. Other people, once you've been Saved and you've been exercising that godliness and and the spirit, you're yielding to the spirit, it gets far easier for you to yield to the spirit because that's what you've been doing. And although your flesh always has that pull, and it's always dangerous, and at any given moment you could do something incredibly foolish, it loses its pull over you as much as someone who's been living according to the flesh. Does that make sense to you? Now, this means that since prayer is exceedingly spiritual, that if you haven't been exercising your spirit, it's going to be more difficult for you to pray. Well, how do, I, how do I get past that? You get past that by praying. And the more you pray, and the more you go to church, and the more you read your Bible, and the more you yield to the Spirit, then that part of you grows and now it's easier for you to pray the next time, just like when you sin. You choose to sin, it gets easier to sin the next time, and easier to sin the next time, and easier to sin the next time. But whenever you choose to do right, it gets easier to do right the next time, and easier the next time. And so we see here that prayer focuses on the inner man. Look at verse uh, 16, uh, 2 Corinthians four sixteen. For the which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, that's the flesh, Yet our inward man is renewed day by day. So here's the situation. He said, listen, my flesh is so weak. He said, physically, I'm dying. Physically, he he talks about all the things he's been through. I've been beaten. I've been shipwrecked. I've been imprisoned. His body was getting old and feeble and diseased and crippled. Sounds like growing old, doesn't it? But his inner man was strong. And see, there's going to come a time when I know especially young men, the Bible talks about the glory of young men, and they they take uh, heart in their strength and their handsomeness, and ladies take heart in their beauty and their ability to do. Uh, listen, one of these days, all that's going to be gone. And the thing that's going to last forever is that inner man that you have been exercising and getting strong. And so whether you're young or you're old, it's the inner man that we should be focusing on. And prayer focuses on the inward man, and renews the inward man. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. We're talking about why is it so difficult to pray. What's so difficult to pray? Because prayer is spiritual. And a lot of people aren't strong spiritually. They haven't exercised those spiritual muscles. And that could be true whether you're a new Christian and you're just learning these things. It could be true whether you've been saved for a long time, but you've never grown. It could be that you used to be such a strong Christian, and then you backslide. And then now you're finding out that the muscles that you have memory of, they used to be so strong, and you used to pray, and you used to win souls, and now you're coming back to God. It's like, man, this is harder than, than I remember. It's hard because you haven't been exercising those disciplines and those spiritual muscles. And so the way you overcome... This is to pray. You learn how to be spiritual by being spiritual. You grow that spiritual strength by choosing to be spiritual when you don't feel like being spiritual. By choosing to be spiritual when it's difficult. By choosing to pray when you don't feel like praying. All right, look at Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 20. The Bible talks about the old man and the new man. But ye have not so learned Christ, thank Christ, thank Uh, God for the example of Jesus Christ. Verse 21, If so be that ye have heard of Him and have been taught by Him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the formal conversation, the word conversation here speaks of behavior, the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt, according to deceitful lust. So the old man, the flesh, it was a corrupted way of living. It just lived from flesh to flesh, from lust to lust, from want to want always being deceived by the next promise and, well, I'll get drunk and then I'll feel better. No, you'll have your head in the toilet puking up your guts. Well, I'll take a little drugs and then I'll be, get, get feel better. No, you're you're just wrapping yourselves in the chain of addiction. Well, I'll just get angry and i tell everybody what I, what I feel, then I'll feel better. No, you'll feel like a fool and a heel after you come to your senses because you made things worse than they were before you started. See, these lusts are deceitful and lost people run from want to want, from thing to thing, being deceived every time that's not how christ taught us christ taught us a better way all right so it says that ye put off the old man and what verse 23 and be renewed in the spirit little less spirit of your mind verse 24 and that ye put on the new man see this is an act of the will i'm going to decide with god's help and through through god's power that the the Uh, worldly affections are crucified unto me. I don't have to live in them anymore. I'm not a slave to my flesh anymore. I can choose to live for God. I can choose to put on the old man. I can choose to be like Jesus. That's hard to be like Jesus when you've never been like Jesus. It's hard to be a, a, a good Christian when you've never been a good Christian. But how do you become a good Christian? By doing what good Christians do. By obeying the Lord. And the same thing holds true with prayer. Prayer is exceedingly spiritual. One of the most spiritual things we can do every day, and the only way that you can get good at praying and sometimes even feel comfortable praying is by praying. We had prayer time in a little while ago. Some of you could pray for a long time, and it's just like you don't even think about it. Some of you are like, man, I hope I don't have to pray out loud. And man, what would I say? And I'm not, I'm not getting on to you for that because that's just how it goes. But I'm saying the only way you ever get past that is by praying, because it's spiritual. And we have to choose to put on the new man every day. So why is it difficult to pray? It's spiritual work. And if you if you're working towards spirituality, but you you're used to living in the flesh then you have to get past that by saying, I'm going to pray when it's uncomfortable. I'm going to pray when I don't feel like it. I'm going to pray when I don't know how to pray. I'm going to pray because it's right and it's a duty and I'm happy to do it. and It's a privilege and all of these things. But what you'll find is every moment you spend in prayer makes it easier to spend the next moment in prayer. And you begin to flex that muscle. And it gets stronger and stronger and stronger until you find people in the Bible who literally prayer was their first reaction. Moses runs into trouble. He falls on his face. You know, the prophet runs into trouble. He prays immediately. Uh, And and that's why you see some people where prayer, you say, well, prayer comes easy to them. Maybe now it comes easier, although you're going to see we still have other hindrances. It may come easier to them now, but nobody started off that way. They pray, and it's easier for them to pray because they have been praying. Does that make sense to you? And so why is it so difficult to pray? Because it's spiritual, and we have to learn to do spiritual work when we don't feel very spiritual. All right, and then under that, I would put that prayer is a spiritual battleground. We've got to understand that Satan will do anything he can to keep you from praying. I mean anything. Anything. The phone will ring. The baby will wake up. You'll remember a million things that you should have been doing. I mean, anything Satan can do to keep you from praying. He'll make you stay up too late uh, at night watching some dumb show that's not going to matter a hill of beans a second after you watch it. And then you wake up late in the morning because now you oversleep. Now you don't have time to pray. And I mean, it's always going to be something. It's always going to be something. And so we have to understand that prayer is spiritual work. And later on in this series, we'll, we'll show you uh, how that Satan even engages angels and demons. I mean, when we pray, it moves angels and demons in, in the spiritual ward, world. There's a lot going on when we pray. Prayer literally moves the unseen world. Satan's not afraid of you if you're walking around in the flesh. He does, he's not afraid of me if I'm filled with me. Oh, but as soon as you get on your knees, now Satan's in trouble. Now his kingdom's in trouble. And so he'll do anything he can, lie, steal, cheat, beg, borrow, bribe. He'll do anything he can do to keep you off your knees. And so that's why we have to pray. Amen? So why is it so difficult to pray? It's spiritual. You say, preach, I don't feel like praying. That's because you don't have an appetite for it. Just like if you've been eating Snickers, you probably don't have an appetite for carrots. But you can't live off Snickers. I've tried. Believe me, I've tried. It It doesn't work. It's awesome for a while. But you can't do that. And and we have to understand that sometimes we'll say, well, that's just not me. No, that's not the old you. But there's a whole new you waiting to come out. You just have to feed it. You have to get an appetite for the things of God. Well, I just don't like church. Well, that's okay. God will forgive you of that. But the truth is, when I was lost, I didn't like church either. When I first got saved, man, part of my spirit wanted to go to church, and the rest of me was like, you got to be kidding. I'm not sitting there for an hour and a half. We all fight those battles, but you get the appetite for it by doing it and by consuming it. It may feel weird at first, but you work through the discomfort, learning to rest in God's presence. All right, Why is it so difficult to pray? Number one, it's spiritual. And then number two, why is it difficult to pray? It's solitary. Think about that. It's solitary. While you can pray with others, personal prayer time must be accomplished alone. We see this in the example of Jesus. Mark chapter 1. Do you think Jesus prayed with people? Sure he did. I think he prayed with the disciples. I think he prayed with others. matter of fact, John 17, God lets us in on a beautiful personal prayer he had with the Lord. Uh, The disciples often heard him praying and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Uh, So, of course, the Lord prayed with, with people, but he had a personal prayer time that was just him and the Father. And we have to learn that while all of us should pray with other people, I mean, spouses should pray together, parents and children, Uh, Christian bosses and workers, I mean, uh, church members, we should all feel comfortable praying with one another. The most important time for you every day is when it's just you and God. Because that's when you get the strength that comes to live spiritual the rest of the day. Mark chapter 1, verse 35, speaking of Jesus, And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place, and there prayed. So Jesus had the practice of getting up early in the morning and praying before he started his day. Now, if, if our Lord Jesus, the perfect Son of God, needed to pray before he started his day, we probably do too. Right? Well, you say, well, I pray at night. Well, you can do that, and I did that when I first got saved. But after a while, I figured out why in the world am I getting beat up all day? And then I come home and God ministers to me. Why not get some help in the morning? So pray in the morning. And then you can pray at night too. But you got to start your day with the Lord in the morning and have that. M- Matthew 14, 23 says, And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when evening was come, he was there alone. Matthew 26, 36, Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and he saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And so prayer is solitary. And we have a hard time praying sometimes because we have to be alone. Now, that's a couple of problems. First of all, for some of you in your stage of life, it's hard to be alone. Right? You got a bunch of little kids, it's hard to be alone. Get them all sleeping at the same time. And then as soon as they all get to sleep, you just fall asleep from exhaustion. Right, or maybe you got you got a really busy life and it's a lot of work, and then you come home you got to take care of the the wife and the kids and you eat dinner and I understand how difficult it is to to get that time alone, but you need it uh then the second issue is is we're social creatures uh most of us enjoy being around people uh a matter of fact, many people they long for activity they long for noise. It's amazing how many households, they'll have the TV on in the background all day just to have noise. They'll have the radio on just to have noise. They're in the car and they have the radio on just to have noise. Learn to, learn to have it quiet. Learn to turn all that off. And I mean, even the Christian music sometimes. Learn to turn all of it off and have that quiet, those moments of quietness, those moments of of solitude. Uh. And even, honestly, even if you appreciate and enjoy time alone, and some people are very social, some people really enjoy time alone. I am one who have always required alone time. Even before I was saved, it helps me to clear my head, to think. I could very easily be a Baptist monk on the side of a mountain somewhere. You know, as long as I had like a Dunkin' Donuts right around the corner of the mountain and, and some other stuff, we'd, we'd be all right. Uh, I've always required a lot. As a matter of fact, when Sarah got sick, one of the the most difficult transitions for me was learning how to find the time to get that time alone. Because I'm not the same person if I don't walk with God. You think I'm lousy now. You should see me when I don't pray. Good grief, I don't even like myself. Uh, We're different people when we don't walk with God. Uh, but even if you enjoy being alone, it's fascinating how sometimes you'll want to be alone, but you won't want to pray. And we get that stubbornness in our hearts sometimes when I don't feel like praying, and I don't want to pray. and, I don't, and, and I don't. You've got to work through that. Uh, but many just reject the loneliness of prayer. Prayer is lonely work. It's lonely work. But what you find out is once you break through that barrier and you stop feeling alone, you come into the the presence of God. And prayer is anything but being alone. You're, You're away from people, but you enter into the presence of God in a way that you could never have with all the distractions. And so I encourage you, any way you can, find that alone time, find that solitary time. Maybe before everybody else gets up, maybe after... Everybody goes to bed. Uh, Maybe husbands and wives work out and they help each other get their alone time when when the kids are young and life's busy and things like that. But you got to find that way to to get your time alone with the Lord uh, because prayer is solitary. All right, so we learned why is it difficult to pray. Number one, prayer is what? Spiritual. Spiritual, All right, number two, prayer is what? Solitary. All right, and then lastly, prayer is single. What does that mean? It means prayer requires focus. I look at Matthew chapter 6, and we just preached on this recently on a Sunday morning, so I won't belabor the point, but I do want to show you the verses here. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 22 talks about the eye being single. There's also a sister portion of this in Luke. Matthew chapter 6, verse 22, the light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, focused, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, you know, it's an interesting thing here. The Bible says when you learn to focus, you can focus on spiritual things that will fill you with light. But then it doesn't say if your if eye isn't single, it says if your eye is evil. Why does it say that? Because the the inference here is that if you can't learn to focus on what's good, you'll be a slave to everything else bad around you. You won't be able to keep it out. Uh, And it's so distracting. And so the eye has to be single. And we have to learn how to focus on what matters. And it goes on to say no man can have two masters. And so if you don't learn to focus on the things of God then your attention will be stolen by everything else. If you don't learn to focus on the righteous, then you will become sinful by default. If you don't learn to focus in prayer, then you're going to not pray and be filled with pride and all the other things by default. And so really there is a a commandment here and an admonition to learn to focus on the things that matter. And let's be honest, many people struggle with prayer because their mind is just too busy. They can't calm their mind down enough to focus on all the things that matter. And I know people often say, well, I'm, I'm ADD, I'm ADHD. I don't know any kid that doesn't have some of that in them. Uh, what got it out of you? It's called the paddle. What got it out of me? It's called a detention after school. It's called up assistant principal Roy in junior high that that was about 350 pounds and had one crazy eyeball, Vietnam vet, with a paddle about that long. That'll help you. And so there comes a point where the pain just isn't worth it, you know, And, and, and you learn. By the way, life teaches you the same way, doesn't it? If you don't learn to do the right thing, life will teach you with pain. Pain is a, is a good attention getter. Whoa, I don't want to do that again. And so uh, people say, well, I, I can't. And, and here's what I, I, I don't like the fact that our psychological establishment teaches people they're victims. And I fight this all the time in counseling. Well, you don't understand, Pastor. I can't do that because... And it's almost like they've been given a license to never pay attention. They've been given a license to never sit still. They've been given a license to not do what they're told. You know, we had a, I was dealing with a family one time, and, and uh, that one, one child was just absolutely out of control. My heart really felt for him. And they said, Well, you don't understand. We took him to the doctor, and they said, He's got oppositional defiant disorder. I said, Okay, what does that mean? It means when we tell him what to do, he gets defiant. That's every kid full of themselves on the planet. But, but what happens is that that took the parents' ability away to apply biblical teachings, and they said, well, now, now my kid gets a pass. And I'm not a doctor and a psychologist and all these kinds of things, but, you know, you don't need to be for common sense stuff. I'm not saying there's not things that we all shake our head at and say, man, there's something going on there. I've met people where you look at them and, like, there's something weird there. There's something there's in something there. You know, they got the eyeballs going or this... I mean, there's just something there. So I'm not saying that, that, that there's none of that, but I'm saying there's way too much of handing out lifetime passes to be broken. And one thing I love telling people is that's the old you, but with Jesus, He can help you be different. And you can learn to sit still. You can pay attention. You can follow through. You can, you can, you can. Why? I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And so uh, people have to learn to focus. And I'm telling you, you might struggle with it, uh, and, and I'm not doubting that you do. And there are times I struggle with it more than others, but I want to change your thinking about something. You're not a slave to your brain, your brain is there to serve you. Your brain's there to serve you. God gave you a brain. It's, it's just like the hard drive for your soul. It just retains the information. And, and so, don't get in this idea that, well, my, my... Your computer at home doesn't get a virus, and you're like, oh, man, my computer's got a virus. I'm just going to have to deal with this virus my whole life. The rest of my life, my computer's just going to do whatever it wants. No, you call Jim Frame. That's right. And if he can't fix it, you... Take a hammer to it, right? Cause nobody's gonna fix it. If Jim can't fix it, no one can. There's a good commercial for you. right? <laughs> I picture you doing a TV commercial in a Superman outfit and uh, flying above broken computers. I can help you with that if you if, if you want some help. Although we need a modest Superman outfit, but we'll we'll get into that another time. No, when 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 your mind. When your computer's broken, you know what to do. The problem is when, when someone's mind isn't functioning right, they don't know what to do about it. And so let me encourage you that unless, unless there's some serious issue going on, and again, I'm not a doctor to diagnose, but I will tell you this, your mind works an awful lot like a muscle. And when you think about your mind like a muscle, you realize that, oh, the more I use it properly, the stronger it gets. Uh, There are actually schools where you can go to where, I mean, they'll teach you how to count cards. They'll teach you how to remember long digits. There's all types of of tips and tricks for you to learn how to use your brain the way it was meant to be used. And and people are like, whoa, I never knew my brain could do that because it's a muscle. And when you stop looking at it like like I'm a slave to my brain and know my brain's here to serve me and I can use it like a muscle, then that changes the whole ballgame. And so I say all that to say that you can focus. You can focus. You say, well, I can't. You can. I can't. You can. I can't. Then you've already bought into that victim status to where now you're just a slave to your mind. And I'm telling you, you have to change that if you're ever going to get into the deepness of prayer where you learn to block everything out and you get in the presence of God and you learn to be still and be spiritual and be solitary and be single and know what it's like to communicate with God. It's a, it's a life changer. Prayer requires stillness of mind. Here's a couple verses for you. Psalm 4, 4, Stand in awe and sin not... Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. Selah. You learn to be still. Then the famous verse, Psalm 46, 10, Be still and know that I am God, and I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. Notice that God isn't exalted until you learn to be still. When your mind's so busy, you can't focus on God. i got to pay this bill. i got to do that. I should have done that. i got to do this. i got to do this. I gotta... It's just an overflow of information running through your brain. You can't see God through all that. You might catch glimpses of Him. But when you learn to be still and know, then He's exalted. You block all that stuff out. You learn to compartmentalize things. You learn what to focus on and what to not focus on. With so many things in this world clamoring for attention, we must learn to quiet our minds and focus on what truly matters. Do you know how to do that? Let's say it was about time for uh, you needed to focus on something, but you just got so much running through your mind. Do you know how to to quiet your mind and just focus on some things? Let me give you a couple thoughts and we'll go to the house. Uh, I'm going to teach you an exercise that you can use to kind of flex that brain muscle. And learn to turn things on and turn things off now i'm not i'm not telling you that I am an expert at this because there are times when when all of us it just gets to be overload, and there's times when we've got to work extra hard at it uh, an example for example, something happened uh, some time ago, and I just got really i mean it was like I was really going through it, I was really struggling, and I was Really, just taking some hits, and and just just life was difficult and changing, and and, and things were changing and such. And I mean, I found it difficult to, to read my Bible. You ever been there where you just you sit down to read, and it's like I'm reading the same portion of Scripture repeatedly because it's just not sinking in. And I try to pray, and it's like I can't even pray because of the hurt and the 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 all everything going on. So a lot of times when you go through a deep trauma, depending on the, the type of the trauma and, and how much you've been exercising your heart and your mind already, it might take you some time. And it, it usually takes me, when I take a serious, serious hit, it usually takes me two to three days to bounce back to, to where we're functioning somewhat normally. Now it can be a long time before you get back to full normal, which my normal is not very normal but you understand what I mean. Uh, but it might t- you got to be patient with yourself. But I'm talking about on the normal, average, every day, there's a few things you can do to exercise your mind. Now, I'm going to give you a couple things. What I'm going to share with you right now is not new-agey mumbo-jumbo. The new-age people have stolen some of this and use it for evil. But what I'm going to teach you is very common sense and uh, very helpful. And so the first thing you want to do is, is you need to try to empty your mind from all thoughts about God and His Word. And so, for example, the evil will try to just have you empty your mind and all of this, and that can actually give entrance to evil spirits. Uh, so you've got to be careful who you're asking to come in and who you're interacting with for sure. But that's another, I don't want to create more questions than I am giving you answers right now. So if you have any questions about that later, let me know. But you need to empty your mind from all thoughts but God and His Word. and Just say, God, I want to focus on you for a while. And then the way you really start doing this is you begin to focus on your breathing. One of the best tips I could ever give you just for everyday life is learn that whenever you start getting overwhelmed, stop what you're doing and take three deep breaths. Have you ever done this? It's almost medicinal for your mind. It will literally change your blood pressure. Physiologically, it changes your blood pressure. It can change your pulse it changes things chemically in your body, but it also changes things in your spirit. And so when you start getting overwhelmed, three really deep breaths. In through the nose, just as hard as you can, and you want to kind of let your diaphragm come out. Breathe. Don't just chest breathe, but, I mean, really get some diaphragm breathing. And then just let that thing out nice and slow. And you do that about three times, and it's almost like just pushing a reset button on everything, and you're... Your, your mind and your heart and your body are just like, okay, now I can refocus on things. And then one thing that I'll do is, and, and you can do this even just for 60 seconds in the morning to start, is sit there and while you're trying to focus on God, if you picture your thoughts going through your mind, just to kind of give it a form, I picture them like clouds going in the sky. Have you ever watched the sky on a Beautiful day, and you see the clouds going by. They're all different shapes and sizes. And so as I'm trying to calm myself down, be still, right? I'm sitting still. I still my body. I'm beginning to still myself on the inside, on the outside. I begin to see these thoughts almost like a sky pictured in different clouds, and each cloud might be a thought and I think right now, you know, I've got to do this, and I've got to do that tomorrow, and tomorrow I need to remember to do this, and I need to remember to call so-and-so, and I need to, but all those things are just like going by. The key is, you learn to just let them go by. It's just like when you're focusing on, like we talk about in Second Corinthians chapter 10, when you learn to cast down every imagination that exalts itself against Christ. When Satan lofts his spiritual fiery darts at you, Uh, The key is that you don't buy into those, right? Uh, You may have had a thought go through your mind today. God doesn't love you. What? You take that thought and say, well, that's not not God's thought. That's not from God. That's from the devil. So you're like throwing it down. I reject that thought. I'm not going to think about that because I know the Bible says this. And so you grab onto the truth. I know God loves me, and I reject that thought. So in your mind, it's all about what you choose to focus on and what you choose to let go. And it's the same thing in life. You might get in a fight with your spouse and and the devil jump on your your spouse and say, see, your spouse doesn't love you. What? And if you latch on to that, that's going to get in your heart and mind and it's going to start eating you up from the inside out. Right? So you don't latch on to that. You throw that away. So as you're practicing this, you can see your thoughts going by as almost clouds. But for right now, I'm just going to let them all go by. And I'm not going to think about any of those things Except for God. And then I'm going to start picking things out. And I'm going to say, maybe I start praising the Lord. And I say, you know what, Lord? i got so much to do, but I can't think about that all right now. But right now, oh, I see that you're holy. And Lord, I want to think about you being holy for a while. And oh, I see that you're eternal. And man, you're eternal. Now, all these things might still be going on, but I'm not paying any attention to them. I'm, I'm choosing to focus on specific things. Now, that's going to be hard for you when you first start trying. It. And by the way, that's just one simple idea. You can find a way that works for you. But I'm telling you, your prayer life will suffer if you don't learn to be single and learn to focus. Another thing I do is I very rarely, if I'm in deep prayer, I never pray without a pen and a piece of paper. Two reasons. Number one, uh, God might tell me things I need to write down, Right? which he does. Number two, maybe Satan reminds me of something that really is urgent and I drop the ball on. And sometimes no matter how much you try this and you're trying to focus, you'll have a thought come in that's so compelling that you feel like I got to get up and do this right now or I got to go do this right now. But what I'll do is not, I won't get up and do it because I know those are all tricks of Satan. right? I've got so much to do I could stay off my knees all day. But I'll write it down so that Because what happens is if you say, well, I'm just going to remember that, now there's a piece of your hard drive that's trying to keep that in the RAM while you're trying to do something else over here. And, oh, I'm going to remember this, too, and I'm going to remember this, too, and I'm going to remember this, too. The brain was made to have thoughts, not hold thoughts. Right? That's why we write things down. And the more you're trying to hold up here, the less you have to do whatever else you need to do. So learn to empty your brain. That's why you have to-do lists and all these types of things. Try to keep your brain empty have some type of system to control all of that so you can focus on the details that matter. And so uh, you exercise your mind by practicing control, focusing on the things that matter. So we conclude tonight, many people struggle with prayer for these reasons. It's spiritual, it's solitary, it's single. Now, which one's hardest for you? I want you to think about right now, why is the reason I have trouble praying? Maybe, honestly, I don't feel very spiritual. Maybe I feel very spiritual, but I just have a hard time being alone. Maybe maybe I feel spiritual and have a hard time being alone, but I just can't get my mind to slow down. Uh, these are going to be three of the big things that will keep you from praying. So uh, let's work on these things. Amen? And keep coming. We'll talk to you about how to pray. And not, not just pray, now I lay me down to sleep, but get into the deep things of the Lord.